Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. About that. Well, turn with me, uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And um, I just encourage you, we are, we've been talking this year about foundations. Uh, be a person who takes notes. Uh, be a person who reads your Bible, who uh, you can say amen, that's great, but take notes and go back and read it uh, later in the week and just get it in your spirit. Ha- be, a, be a spiritually wise person. Spiritual wisdom is the ability to take spiritual truth and apply it to your life. So rather than looking for some sermon that fires you up or you think is funny or quotable or whatever, that's not the significance of a message. A message, the significance is whether you take the word of God that is in it and you use it and apply it to your life. So find something to apply to your life that's applicable. So follow along today. Find something that you can apply to your life. Mark chapter 10 verses 46 through 52. It says this. When they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I'm going to talk to you this morning about vision on Vision Sunday. Father, thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness and your presence here today. I pray for every person that's in this room that you would give us a great revelation of who you are, how you want to be involved in every part of our lives. Open our eyes to see the truth of who you are today. Uh, And I pray in Jesus' name uh, for healing in this room. Everybody that needs a miracle right now, I join my faith together with theirs in the name of Jesus that they will be healed right now for whatever they're going through. Any sickness, disease, addictions, problems in relationships or families, Lord, break a bad spirit off people's life and just let them have clarity of their thoughts in Jesus' name to be able to know the truth of who you've called them to be and to conform and be just like Jesus today. Lord, in the name of Jesus and bless this message. uh, Amen. Amen. So what is vision? That's a good thing to ask when you're starting a, a, a sermon on Vision Sunday. What is vision? Maybe when I ask you what is vision, your first thoughts would go to vision in the grand sense of that term. The way people use it a lot in corporations or in businesses or dreamers, people like that. Maybe you think of a visionary, someone like Steve Jobs who had a vision of the way he thought computing would work and built a company that was very forward-thinking. Maybe you think of visionaries like that. Uh, And and those are all good good examples of what vision is in that bigger sense. But I think that if we're going to really break down what vision actually is spiritually, it's important to have the basic definition down. And when you think about the most basic form of what vision truly is, it is the perceptual experience of seeing. So there's a very practical aspect 
to what vision is. It's just the ability to see. So when you think of spiritual vision, if there's natural vision, there are people who are able to see fantastic. Raise your hand in the room if you've got 20-20 vision or above without glasses. Wow, you guys are so cocky. You're just like pumping up there. You're like, that's right. That's right. I see everything. Your glasses are smudged right now. I, I see it. My gosh, try some humility every once in a while. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So like, you know, you got great vision. That's fantastic. You got great natural vision. So that's wonderful. But the truth is, there are many people in this world who have 20-20 vision naturally, but are spiritually blind. So there's natural vision, and then there is spiritual vision. So when you think about vision is the, the experience of, of seeing, the perceptual experience of seeing, blindness is the lack of sight or a visual impairment, the inability to see. So when you think about it, vision affects, lack of vision affects the whole body. When you're, when you're unable to see, your body has to adjust and learn how to navigate through other means than it was created for. We're created to be able to see. As I look, you know, if I'm standing on the stage and I walk down, I'm able to see that there's a, a step. Now, at the last campus, it's hilarious. I was preaching at the last campus, and I said, now, vision, and I stepped off the stage, almost died. I fell over. So my vision was really bad at that moment. I actually wasn't using my vision. So it's a great illustration of, of vision, Jeff. Uh, so anyways, uh, yeah, my, my vision enables me to... Come up and down. I see where things are. I can adjust properly. I was on a ski trip with my family a couple of weeks ago in Colorado, and I love skiing. I've skied since I was a little kid. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I could, I could do what I need to do, and I don't fall that much skiing. I like to do tricks with my family. And I was trying to show off for my family, uh, you know, on this one little run, and my my visor fogged up completely, a hundred percent. So I go down. I'm like, follow me, guys. And, and, and so <laughs> I'm like, follow me. And like, I go down this area that's got all these different bumps and I cannot see anything. So it has got like deep dips and I'm going, like I'm going down. I'm like, <laughs> like I'm like my, my, I'm just trying, I'm trying to keep my knees sort of bent. I mean, I end up just like falling and just biting it. Right. There's like, the, like I only fell twice on the whole trip. One, I was just standing there looking at my wife. I was like, Ugh! and I fell down. Uh, that was pretty weak. But then this one, this one I fell, why? I lost my vision. Vision enables you to see the bumps in the road. Vision enables you to make the proper adjustments. Now imagine if you have no spiritual vision, you're unable to see the bumps in the road. You're unable to see what is coming at you and make the proper spiritual adjustments to get from where you are to where you're trying to go. Does everyone see the need for spiritual vision? See, Bartimaeus... The sad thing about this story of Bartimaeus is Bartimaeus is standing by the road. It says at the opening of that chapter, he's blind. So he, he, he sits by the road. And I feel like that when we have no vision in life, what we do is we get close to other people that do have vision. And we become reliant upon their vision. 
we become reliant upon everyone else. We can hear what's on the road. See, we're, we're down here. And the Bible says that Bartimaeus is down here, and here's the road, and he's listening to what's going by. And everything goes by. He's become used to saying, hey, can you help me? Can you help me? And he knows these people have vision. So he's content with living his life next to someone else's vision, but he's not actually on the road. He's by the road. Look at someone next to you say, get on the road. Don't put your hand on your heart. Say, I don't want to live by the road. You want to get on the road. Can I get an amen from somebody? You want to get on the road. So I love what Bartimaeus does. It says that he hears Jesus go by. And all of a sudden, something gets stirred up in him. He hears something different in Jesus that he has heard in other people. See, and maybe you're here today and you don't have spiritual vision for your life. Maybe you've been living your life like blind Bartimaeus by the road. I wonder how many people here, maybe you've got great vision in life, but you have no spiritual vision. And you've learned how to live by the road. But blind Bartimaeus was used to sitting in that same spot every day. He said, okay, there's uh, Mr. Johnson's uh, horse. It's going by. Clickety-clack. I recognize that. Uh, there's uh, Bill uh, that works over at the pub. God, he should have worn deodorant today. Yeah, that's him. Uh, I know him, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Something sounds different. Jesus, Jesus, and he begins to call, he, he hears something different in Jesus. Something gets stirred up in his spirit. Faith gets stirred up in his spirit that maybe I don't have to live the rest of my life by the road. Maybe if I call out to Jesus, he can help me get some vision from my life and I can start living on the road. But have you ever noticed in that story that when he called out to Jesus, it said people around him told him to shut up. Why do people want to tell you to shut up when you start getting stirred up in faith? Because everyone wants you to stay on their level. As long as you're on the same level as all the haters in your life, they're fine. But the moment you start getting a vision for something bigger in your life, they start trying to pull you down. But what I love about Jesus is Jesus came up to Bartimaeus. Despite everyone telling him to be quiet, he would not shut up. Look at someone next to say, don't shut up. Figuratively. <laughs> Don't shut up. Don't shut up that voice of faith that cries out for more. Don't shut up what is inside of you that believes God can do anything. Don't let that voice be quiet. No matter what anyone tells you, don't let that voice of faith ever shut up. You keep shouting out. You keep believing. You keep calling out. You keep reaching out for Jesus. And I love what Jesus does. It says that he stops. And you know, I didn't even study this out, but verse 50, I like it says that he threw his cloak aside. Your cloak is like formality. It's like taking your jacket off. You take it, it's like, I don't need this. I ain't trying to look good for anybody. I'm just ready. Whatever you got to do, whatever's got to go in my life is going to go. I'm ready to get some vision in my life. I'm so sick of this living next to the road. I'll do whatever I got to do. Who's ready to throw anything aside that you need to throw aside to get God's best for your life today? And I love what Jesus says. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Look at someone next to you and say, man, Jesus is good. Oh, he's so good. What do you want me to do for you? Did he come down to him and say, how come you haven't been in church? 
Did he come down to him and say, you know, you've been, that, you've been without faith for 30 years. Oh, and today, and so, whoa, magically, you just want to have, did he do any of that? No. See, Jesus loves you today. Jesus is just looking for the slightest hint of faith, the slightest hint that somebody believes. The Bible says if you have faith as the size of a grain of a mustard seed, all you got to do is just have a little faith. You don't have to have great faith. Just have a little faith, and you can do some great things in your life today. Maybe you're here today. You've been content living without spiritual vision, but Jesus is leaning in today. If you're calling out to him in faith and your heart is getting stirred up right now, that maybe you could get a vision for your family. Maybe you could get a vision for your job. Maybe you could get a vision for your future. If Jesus even hears a little cry coming from the roadside, you know what he's going to do? He's going to lean down and he's going to come to you and he's not going to say, how come you made that one mistake 10 years ago? No, no, he ain't worried about that. You know what he's going to say to you? The same thing he said to Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you today? And I like the way Bartimaeus answered. He said, Lord, I want to see. I want a vision from my life. Give me a vision from my life. And what I love about what Jesus responded to him and said, he said, go, your faith has healed you. You're, look at someone next to you and say, it's my faith. It's your faith that has healed you. See, Jesus is willing and able, but it is your faith in him that causes you to experience vision in your life. You have to get faith in Jesus. Godly vision is only birthed by faith. There's a lot of people that are running around, around out there that have vision, but it's not godly vision. Because only godly vision, vision is birthed out of faith. See, if a dream comes from your heart, you're always going to be a slave to the dream. Do you hear what I just said? If a dream comes out of your heart, you'll always be a slave to the dream. But if a, if a dream or a vision comes out of faith, then you're always going to be a follower of that faith. You're always going to be stuck to that faith. And it's wonderful. That's the way God wants it. We have to learn how to get godly vision. Godly vision is born of faith. If it's born of faith, you become a follower of faith. Bartimaeus had no vision, but you know what he had? He had some faith. So if you're sitting in here and you, and you need something in your life, if you're sitting in here and you need some vision of your life, you don't have to have a vision today. As a matter of fact, you can't change whether or not you got one or not at this point. You're already here in this service. You either have it or you don't. It doesn't matter if you've got vision or not. What matters today in this room right now is whether you have a little faith. Do you have a little faith today that God can take small things and he can turn them into great things? I've got faith today. I've got faith today. Oh, man, if you have no vision, your life is a mess. When you're living by the side of the road, your life is a mess. You're not even on the road. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. One version says where there is no vision, the people are without restraint. You know what that means? In, in, in layman's terms, it means they just run buck wild. They do whatever they want to do. Where there is no vision, you just go nuts. You just do anything you want to do. You, you're, you're going down this way, and this is my life, and, oh, I got a job. It'll offer you $2 more. Oh, well, I think I'll take that. I need $2. You didn't even consider the people I'm working with right now. I may not be making a fortune, but they're godly. They love the Lord. There are people that encourage me, and if I get in this environment, is $2 an hour really worth giving up the people that I have great relationships with? So when you got no vision, the people are without restraint. And where there is no vision, there is only division. If there's no vision in your marriage, there is division in your marriage. 
If there's no vision in your career, there is division in your career. If there's no vision in your church, there is division in your church. But a vision keeps people on track. I love that about a vision. It keeps people on track. Habakkuk chapter 2, classic vision verse. 2 verse 2, it says, The Lord said to me, write the vision, make it plain on the tablets. The Living Bible says, write it on a billboard so somebody can run that reads it. It says, for the vision is for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries or, or it's, de- it's delayed, wait for it because it will surely come. So it, the, what God is telling you is be patient. If you don't have a vision, keep your faith. Keep building that foundational life. Keep trusting in God and he is going to send you glimpses God glimpses of what your future is going to look like when you're faithful to him. Can somebody say amen today? He's saying remain faithful, and when you get those glimpses, write them down. Look at someone next to you say, buy a pen. You might need a pen. You need a pen to write down your vision. I don't think it feels the same to write it in notes on your phone. I think you need to write it down on a piece of paper and make it big. Put it on your wall. When you get the vision, put it up in front of you so you can see it. When you get a vision for what your family looks like, put it up in front of your faith, face so you can see what it looks like. Billy will be saved by Easter in Jesus' name. I'm believing my brother will be set free from drugs in Jesus' name. I believe my dad, who says he's an atheist, is going to come to church this Easter and get saved. Put vision in front of your life. Put, even if you've got to put it in a book that you look at. I believe me and my wife, we've been struggling with one another. We haven't been talking a lot, but in Jesus' name, one One year from now, we're going to pray together every single day. One year from now, we're going to go to church together. One year from now, get some vision for what it's going to look like. You follow me today. Why? The Bible says when you can read it, you can run with it. It says when you can read it, you can run with it. But how are you going to run towards your target if you don't even know what it is? You've got the Olympics right now. They have speed skating at the Olympics. Can you imagine if they put everybody out there and there wasn't no start line and there wasn't no finish line, they just said go. Nobody knew where they were going, just skating anywhere as fast as they could. How dumb would that be? But that's not what they do. There's a clear point where you start. There's a clear destination. And what do you do? You get your eyes on the destination and you go as fast as you can until you reach that finish line. That's what vision does for your life. Vision is a GPS system for your life. You plug in the vision in your life. God shows you where you're going. You put it in in the GPS. And when you're driving along and you make a wrong turn, you know what the GPS does? It says, make a U-turn. You have gone the wrong way. And, and what do you do? You, you, know, you go down and you're on a one-way street. Oh, dang it, I just lost 15 minutes. But once you get down to the end, what does it do? It tells you, turn left. Now turn left again. Now turn right. Now you're back on track. That's what GPS does. Why? It knows the destination and its primary goal is to just get you there. The fastest route possible to get you there. That is what vision does for your life. Vision gets you to your destination. We have to begin to imagine bigger. We got to begin to dream bigger. I hate to say it today, but there's a lot of people sitting in this room that you have limited God. You have refused to believe that God has anything great for your life because you're too hung up 
on poor decisions that you made in the past. You think God is not big enough to forgive you. You're too worried about mistakes that you've made and things that you've done a long time ago. You think God is not strong enough to give you a great destiny. The Bible says that Jesus died for you on your worst day. He knew your worst day before he ever reached out to save you. Forget about those things and start stretching out your imagination on what God could do for your life if you really believed him and you really trusted him today get some vision for your life be faithful to the things of God and you're going to get a glimpse of God imaginations for your life heavenly imaginations for your life man I love that idea to step into the realm of the supernatural where all things are possible first Corinthians 2 says what no eye has seen what no ear has heard what no human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nobody has conceived of how great the life is that God has for you if you will trust him and if you will believe him. There are people that are here today, you feel like you're on plan B or C or D or Z or double Z or whatever, Z1, Z2, Z1000. You just feel like you're so disqualified. You're not disqualified if you just trust him today. The Bible says you can't imagine how great that life is. Nothing visual, nothing auditory nothing cognitive that it can even possibly comprehend how great it is Isaiah 55 says my thoughts are not your thoughts your ways are not my ways says the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts when you limit yourself you limit God his thoughts are higher his thoughts are higher than you I love Jeremiah 29 11 the classic scripture yeah, you, if, you, if you're preaching, you better throw this in there somewhere. Young preachers, just put it in your sermons at one point. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. The reason I love that scripture, yes, is because of the future and the hope. But I also love the first part that says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. That means that heaven is coming towards you right now. Heavenly thoughts are coming toward you. Heavenly dreams are coming toward you. Heavenly vision is coming toward you. Imagination in motion toward means it's in motion. Imagination in motion toward you. Destiny in motion toward you. Purpose in motion toward you. Means and resources in motion toward you. That is what is coming from heaven toward you if you have the faith to believe him and trust him. And, and, and when you begin to trust him and live your life on the solid foundation, which is obeying, hearing and obeying the word of God, you get a glimpse of what your marriage could look like. You get a God glimpse of what your destiny could look like, of what your purpose could look like. And all of a sudden, one day, when you see that glimpse, that sweet little girl you've been working next to in the dream team, she serves faithfully every week. She doesn't, she's shy. She don't talk to anyone. She's got a great smile. One day, when you're being faithful to God, he says, yeah, that girl right there, the one that doesn't talk to anyone, she's kind of shy, but she's faithful. Go tell her she's the most wonderful person you ever met in your life, and you'd be honored if she'd have a cup of coffee coffee with you and I'm going to do something with her that you can't imagine because you've been faithful to me and I'm going to bring you things that you have never dreamt. Come on, is anybody here today? Notice in that analogy, you have to be on the dream team first. That's important if you want to get that destiny. Don't wimp out on your dreams. 
I must not be preaching good because you didn't get that. Don't wimp out on your dreams. Are there some dreamers here today? Are there some people who got some faith here today? Don't wimp out on your God dreams. Stop limiting God. You're limiting God because you're limiting your hope. You're limiting your imagination. I love this story in 2 Kings. Write it down. 2 Kings 13, 17 through 19. Write it down because I'm not going to read it verbatim. I'm just going to paraphrase it. 2 Kings 13, 17 through 19. In this story, Elisha goes to the king of Israel and he tells him to do something by the, by the Spirit of the Lord. He says, take these arrows and strike the ground. So Israel's in a situation where they're fighting against Syria. He says, take these arrows and strike them into the ground. The king is like, all right. So he takes them, boom, boom, boom. Strikes the ground. And Elisha's like, okay, whatever. I mean, you struck the ground three times. I don't know why you didn't strike the ground seven times. Because every strike against the ground is Israel striking against Syria. If you'd have struck the ground seven times, you would have wiped them out completely. But because your faith was a three-strike faith, I'm going to give you three strikes instead of seven. So I feel like it's such a great analogy of the fact that God does not limit us in what he wants to do for us. He puts it on us to make the decision. We're the ones that have the faith to believe for the greatness. I say strike the ground and keep striking the ground. Keep believing for the best in your life. Keep stretching the hope and the possibility of what God could do in your life if you just had some vision. God's looking for people with big faith. Alexander the Great had a philosopher that came to him that wanted to start a school. And he got advice from people around him. Do not ask Alexander the Great for money. He'll kill you. Don't do it. He's not a nice guy. And this guy said, I'm going to go. I'm just going to do it. I need it. He's got it. Maybe he'll believe in what I'm trying to do. So he went to Alexander the Great and everyone was like, all right, dude, nice knowing you. So he goes to Alexander the Great. He says, can I have $50,000? He goes, absolutely. And all his friends were like, dang it, why didn't I think of that? And, and someone said, well, why did you give him the money? He said, I gave him the money because not only did he understand my great wealth, but he also saw in me my great generosity. See, and in the same way, I believe that we've got a God who is not limitlessly wealthy. He, he, there's no limit. To his wealth it's not just that he has no limit to his wealth there's no limit to his generosity either so today will you recognize that you've got a God that's willing and able to bring you the provision provision in the sense of he's for your vision and he's gonna give you provision for your vision if you just have the faith to believe Man, I hope people are getting stirred up here today. You say, well, what, a, what does that look like in a practical sense? Starting a business. You got to be more specific. Go back to college. I don't understand. Give me some details. Stop yelling at your wife and start loving her. What's some other thing? Come to church every week instead of once out of eight weeks. Get some vision for your life. Be more specific. Don't be greedy with your money. Be generous to God. Give to the church and give to people. Be, be generous with everything that you have. That's vision. Vision looks like that. You go, you know what? I see myself being generous. I see myself having more than enough. Not just enough. 
to scrape by, but I see that I serve a God of more than enough. And what happens is he gives you a vision of what it looks like to give to others and to have way more than enough left over for yourself. See, that's what happens when you get vision. He starts showing you what life looks like if you would just trust him. Godly vision, as I said before, is born of faith. You've got to see it. Once you're faithful and you say, well, how do I see it? You just be faithful and obedient, just like we've been talking about in foundations. Keep, keep digging. Keep digging for that rock. Keep, keep searching. Keep obeying, just hearing what God says and obeying, and you're digging and you're digging. And all of a sudden, one day, you catch a glimpse of a God idea. You catch a glimpse of a God dream. You see something. You have to see it, though. You have to see it. Because when you see it, you're able to launch your life to a different place. See, did you know, I've told you this, I think, before, but I'd like to tell you again. African impalas are some of the most incredibly uh, physical animals when it comes to what they're able to do with their bodies. They're able to jump in one leap 10 feet high and 30 feet in distance. So almost across this entire stage, up over John's head, boom, all the way over to where Kyle is, one massive jump. Uh, they're just, it's, it's, it's literally incredible. But did you know that people that capture impalas are able to keep them pinned in with only a four-foot fence. Not one African impala will ever attempt to escape with a four-foot fence. And the reason is this. An impala will only use its ability and its muscles and its jumping ability if it can see where it's going to land. It will never attempt to get beyond those borders unless it has the vision to see where it's going. So what's crazy is they allow themselves, God has built them with every ability to soar into freedom and to soar into their destinies, but they choose to be hemmed in by something that is so small that has convinced them that they can never get out. I wonder how many people are hemmed in that little four-foot fence and God is looking down going, baby, I've given you muscles. I've given you the ability to jump out and to go to another level. Stop being hemmed in and get a little vision for your life. See beyond. See it in your spirit. And then you take a run and start and you leap into your destiny, into a life of vision that I have called you to go to. You have to see it in your soul. You have to see it in your heart. That's what vision looks like. Come on, somebody give him a shout today. I love that old story. Amy and I, you can be seated for a moment. Amy and I went to Disneyland this past week in California. And uh, went to this place called California Adventure, one of their parks. It's just a little different than our park. We love Disney. But w when I was there, I was trying to, someone said to me, so, a, a huge Disneyland fan uh, who's from California was talking to me. They said, I don't understand the differences. What's the difference? It's no better. I said, first of all, a world is so much better than a land. Don't you agree with that? We have Disney World. Who would want to go to a land when you could go to a world? Isn't that a pretty decent explanation? It's a world of Disney. Anyways, I said, well, just for some perspective, I said, we've got our you know, four major parks, not including Blizzard Beach or Typhoon Lagoon. You've got Animal Kingdom. You've got 
Hollywood Studios, Epcot, Magic Kingdom. I said all of Disney's property in Anaheim combined can fit in just the parking lot of the Magic Kingdom alone. Did you guys know that? That's true. All Everything that, that Disney owns in California can fit in just the parking lot of the Magic Kingdom. So that's how enormous and massive. So come on, give it up for the world. Isn't the world better than the land? That's for you watching online, my man who asked in Cali. You know who you are. World. So the, the reason I tell that story, the reason I tell that story, why do we have so much land here? Because Walt Disney, what did he have? Somebody tell me what he had. He had some vision. And he came to old Swampland, old Cowtown, Florida. An old place called Kissimmee. Nobody ever even heard of a Kissimmee before. And he went out into the middle of a cow town and he said, yeah, I'll take about 300,000 of these acres right here. I have a feeling that my vision somewhere down the future is going to need it. And he had a buddy whose name was Art Linkletter. And you can hear this story about Art Linkletter. But he brought Art Linkletter to Central Florida to show him this swampland. He got out of the car. They, they parked their car here and they walked over to a spot. He said, Art, he goes, I'm going to build the biggest place you ever seen here. There are gonna be hotels for families to stay at, to be amusement parks, everything you could imagine. He said, I want you to invest in it. I want you to invest in it. And Art just said to him, he said, I'm sorry, man. He said, I don't see it. I don't see it. And he walked back to his car. And I think he took about a hundred steps back to his car is the way it was described. And later on in humility, after Disney World became what it was, Art Linkletter told this story himself. He said, because I turned down that offer, I estimated at a later point in my life that each one of those steps, 100 steps, cost me about a million dollars a step. What do you see when you look at that old swampland of your life? Everybody else might see the brokenness. Everybody else might see no potential. You say, how can we ever do this? It's just old swampland. What do you see? Man, I hope you've got enough vision like Disney did to look out and all that broken and say, it may be ugly now, but wait till you see what God is going to do. Wait till you see what happens when I'm faithful. Wait till you see what happens when I keep pushing forward to what God has called me to do. This whole thing is going to be developed someday. And I'm talking about your life. That's what happens when you get vision in your soul. You get vision in your heart. Your life is filled with vision. Next week, I cannot wait for you to see this video, this short film that talks about the vision of the church to make the hope of Jesus known by building a large Christ-centered church, transforming culture through creativity and empowering ordinary people to lead others and live dynamically for the cause of God's kingdom. We're gonna break down every part of that statement next week and you're gonna find out what it means to find your place in a corporate vision, how that releases you personally to go and to accomplish your individual vision. It's really not until you find that corporate vision and you build into someone else's dream that God gives you a dream of your own. And we'll show that next week. I'm gonna talk about that next week in detail. But I just release you today in Jesus' name from any 
from any shame, any guilt, anything in your past that has ever kept you from believing God's best. Look at me, I'm just telling you, please look at me right now. There are, there are future entrepreneurs in this room that God has called you to do great things. Stop saying, where will I ever get the initial investment? Stop asking yourself, how can I ever go to college? I'm not smart enough. Stop it right now. Never let that thing run through your mind again. You start believing in Jesus' name that God is great enough to give you the ability. He is your provider. He will bring you provision, resource. He will do everything he has to do to get you to where he has called you to be. It's him. He is the one that gave you the vision in the first place. He's going to get you from where you are to where he wants you to be come on thank you Jesus release dreams over you right now release vision over you right now release hope over you right now by the power of the Holy Spirit put your hands in the air if you, if you receive it right now in the name of Jesus Holy Spirit release that hope right now release those dreams release that God imagination heaven is coming toward this place right now and we receive it in Jesus name no fear no doubt no shame no guilt from the past only hope that you are good enough to do and accomplish what you have set forth in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus amen amen stay on your feet true stat right here at Virginia Tech a professor just did a study and he asked people what are your goals for life Massive study, over a thousand interviewed. Eighty percent say that said they didn't know. I wonder what if those statistics line up with what's going on in this room. You got ten people in your row. Only two of those people know what their goal is based on what this study says. If if the numbers are even similar, sixteen percent said they had goals but have never once written them down. So that statistically, if it, if it holds up, only 16% of the people in this room, if it's even similar, have never written them down. That they, they have goals, but have never written them down. Only 4% said that they've written the goals, but they've never gone back to look at them. 1% Somebody say 1%. 1% said they wrote the goals and they review them on a weekly basis. I, I mean, I, I'll put up on, uh, I'll, I'll try to tweet this later today to show you the research. I ain't making this up. It says that the 1% in this study that said that they wrote down the goals and they review them on the week, weekly basis, when he investigated those people's lives, every single one of them were millionaires. Every single one of the 1% that wrote them down and reviewed them on a regular basis were millionaires. This ain't a prosperity gospel I'm trying to preach to you, trying to tell everyone in this room that you need to be a millionaire. I think it'd be fantastic if you were up. God can do whatever he wants to do. What I'm trying to tell you is that it is a biblical principle to write down your vision and to look at it on a regular basis. Write it down. Look at someone next to you say, write it down. Look at them in the face say, it ain't nothing but a pen. Ain't nothing but a pen. Pick it up. And 
write it down. Without a vision, you stumble through your life. With a vision, you run through life. I'm proud of every person in this room. I'm proud of who we're becoming as a church. God has called us to great things, not ordinary, average things. He has called you to great things. Let me tell you something. You're not limited by what your parents did. Your parents didn't hit the ceiling for your life. They hit the ceiling for their life. God has raised that ceiling for your life, and it's as high as you want it to go, as much as your faith will believe. You're not limited by mistakes. You're not limited by your family name. You're not limited by your ethnicity, your race, your socioeconomic status. You're not limited by anything except your faith. So today, you raise your faith up to that level. God loves taking nobodies. Woo! I love that about God. He loves taking nobodies. The least likely people. The least likely people. David was the runt of his family. When Samuel was trying to find a king, he went down the line of all these tall, handsome brothers that was in David's house. And he said, ooh, this one looks good over here. And God said, no, that ain't him. Oh, this one looks good right here. No, it ain't him. Boy, this guy's tall. He looks good. No, it ain't him. Who is it? It's the runt that's out there watching the sheep. See, God loves taking. God loves taking somebody like Moses, who's a murderer. He got a stuttering problem. When you're looking for someone to lead your people out, God didn't go looking for the best and the brightest. He found the throwaway that nobody wanted, who was afraid and running for his life, and he took him to lead his people out. Your future is limitless today. Your future is limitless. And you know what? There's some people in this room, I feel it in my spirit. You're getting some faith right now. You're getting a glimpse of that God vision, and you believe your future is great. Can I tell you something also you're not too old say I'm not too old say I'm not too young King Josiah was eight years old and he found out that Israel was not obeying the books that Israel was not following the law of the Lord he saw that the law of the Lord had been hidden away and one of his guys brought him the law Josiah was the king of Israel he went crazy he ripped up his clothes and he said we're gonna follow this book he was eight he got Israel's heart turned back toward God at the age of eight. Did you know that when Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind me, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the mark or the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. When he was talking about forgetting what was behind and reaching forward for what was ahead, he was 65 years old and in jail when he wrote that. Moses was 80 years old when he, before he led the children of Israel out of Israel. You're not too old today. You're not limited by your age today. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're not too short. You're not too dumb. You're not too ugly. You're not too anything. You're exactly who God wants you to be today. If you got the faith to trust him and believe in him today and get a glimpse of a God vision. Come on, get you a glimpse of a God vision. Amen, amen. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.